Did you hear about the quesadilla on Tinder? He's hot, spicy, and super cheesy. You're listening to Weird Medicine with Dr. Steve on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio. Now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, and this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. If you're listening to us live, the number is 754-227-3647. You can follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine, Lady Diagnosis, or Dr. Scott WM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, or whatever. All right, very good. Hey, um, <clears throat> so we have some new equipment in here, and I'm still working out the bugs. So forgive the levels. Uh, I will get it. Um, it's uh, just there's a lot of moving parts. In um, and just getting the game right on every channel. You know, the last mixer I had, I had for two years, I fiddled with it for six months before I got it the way I liked it. So I apologize if there's uh, if I'm blowing your ears out at times and too soft at other times, but let me know. Um, <clears throat> if it's too egregious, I'll sit down one day and just work it all out in one day, but it's kind of is a work in progress. Um, thank you for your forbearance. Don't forget, uh, speaking of forbearance, Thank you to the people who have signed up for premium.drsteve.com who used to have a premium subscription and then I canceled them all by accident. Well, it wasn't really by accident. It was my intention, but it was stupid. And I, um, you know, at the time was uh, thinking of um, just canning the whole thing and I was going through kind of a dark period. And so I called our hosting place and said, just cancel the premium. I don't want to take anyone's money anymore for this bullshit. And uh, then I changed my mind. I woke up and I'm better. So, um, uh, and thank you all for the support. Go to premium.drsteve.com. That's premium.drsteve.com for a buck 99 a month. You can get all the archives and all the premium content such as it is. Uh, and, um, also if you use the offer code fluid, when you sign up, you'll get a huge discount just for the pain in the ass I put you through. So I appreciate that. <clears throat> Check that out. Also, I am, uh, my BMI, my body mass index, which I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in, but it is used in medicine all the time, and it's used by insurance companies to determine whether you're obese or not. 
uh, is normal for the first time in my adult life, and I attribute that to Noom, N-O-O-M. You've seen the ads for it. And uh, I, it's, a, it's an app, and they're not a sponsor, okay? Uh, but I am a, 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 a firm believer that this is a, a worthy uh, uh, application for your smartphone <clears throat> if you want to lose weight. So instead of being a diet, it is a, it's a psychological tool. It helps you change your relationship with food. That's the best way I can tell you. And it, it actually, you know, some of the psychology is applicable to other things in your life as well. So I, I think it's helping me on a couple of things like that. I, I, I tend to pop off at the mouth and then wish I hadn't said something, which is great when you've got a radio show. Not so great in real life. And um, I always say, you know, if I would just think of the second, just don't say the first thing, say the second thing that comes to my mind. <clears throat> and it was, it's always better. So, you know, it's helping me with that even. You know, it's great. It's 10 bucks a, bu- a month less than Weight Watchers. And, um, uh, and you can do the f- first two weeks free. So if you want to check it out, go to noom.drsteve.com. It's noom.drsteve.com. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's my, you know, referral link. So if you use it, I get a little something. I don't know, some gift card or something. But you get to get 20% off plus a uh, two-week free trial. And uh, you get a counselor, you get a group, you get a group counselor. You you know, it interfaces with your Fitbit, sort of. That part could be better, but, <clears throat> it, you know, there are things that it'll interface with. And I have found it to be a great program. I'm going to stick with it. I'm down, uh, like I said, I, for the first time in my life, I'm or in my adult life, I'm below... Um, uh, 25 on my BMI, and I'm planning on going for another 15 to 20 pounds. So, and it's it's been very easy and enjoyable. So, all right, check that out. Uh, uh, don't forget Dr. Web- Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. If you need some uh, some earbuds, go to tweakedaudio.com. Best customer service on anywhere that I've ever seen. And use offer code FLUID and you get 33% off your order, which is insane. I can't believe they're still doing this after all these years. Um, uh, You could buy three of the same thing and only pay for two of them. And uh, if you're going to do any shopping at all online, go to stuff.drsteve.com. You can click straight through there and go to uh, Amazon, or you can scroll down and find a bunch of different products that we've talked about on the show, including the Saline Navage, which is one of my favorite things. Oh, and the um, the Womanizer. That's at the very bottom, uh, NSFW. And um, it is an adult toy that was tr- we were turned on to by a person on Twitter called Dr. Perkins. And uh, it is quite amazing. So we have had a, an opportunity to try it out. Uh, check it out at stuff.drsteve.com, even if you just want to gawk at it. It's pretty interesting. All right. Um, uh, don't forget the Brandon Strong campaign for bone marrow donation. Join.bethematch.org slash Brandon Strong, all one word. Uh, go there. If you're 18 to 44, you don't have to pay a fee to donate and you don't even have to donate. They just take some saliva and, and uh, see if you're a match for people. And then they will call you if you are. And then you donate some bone marrow. Sometimes you can do it just with a blood draw. So uh, join.bethematch.org slash Brandon Strong. 
And I'll try to remember to put this in the description for this week's uh, podcast. Okay. We were supposed to have our sommelier episode uh, this week. And um, one of my partners at work came down with influenza. And our sommelier is coming from a place called Primlin, which is the number five uh, resort in the whole United States and number one in the southeast. You can check them out at primland.com. Tell them Dr. Steve sent you. But um, uh, they, uh, I, uh, because I was so closely uh, associated with this employee, uh, I didn't want to uh, be the typhoid Mary of influenza at Primland and give uh, uh, Master Sommelier Carl uh, influenza to take back to everybody. Uh, so we're postponed that for two weeks. But what this does is it gives you an opportunity to call uh, 347-766-4323. That's 347-766-4323. And it should be on the pad data. And um, ask him a question. Call in and ask a question uh, regarding wine, wine and health, wine and being a drunk, whatever you want to call in about. Uh, I would like to have at least um, five to ten excellent questions from our listeners. And uh, if there's a couple of Ramon questions in there as well, it's totally fine. Um, if it's funny, I'll play it. If it's not, I'll probably still play it and just shit on you. So, <laughs> cause I need questions anyway. Uh, so do that three, four, seven, seven, six, six, four, three, two, three, call in your wine questions for, um, uh, uh, Carl, the sommelier from uh, Primland. And he's also the general manager in food and wine and everything. I mean, he's everything up there, but, um, uh, extremely knowledgeable on the subject. And we'll talk about the health impacts of drinking, but particularly uh, any health benefits that uh, may be associated with uh, drinking as well. And there are some. So, all right. Uh, very good. Uh, please do that. All right. Um, let's get into some uh, uh, medical news. There was, um, okay, that one we've got a question about. Well, let's, let's take the question. And, um, oh, well, I didn't download the question. Okay, well, somebody called in and said um, they read something about gum disease causing Alzheimer's. Now, this is an association. It's not a direct cause, but it is kind of interesting. Uh, this is from uh, health.com. And uh, it uh, the article states, you know, brush floss, see your dentist regularly. Why? To save yourself from painful cavities, from eating candies, fresh little candies, and keep your smile looking bright, but also to stay cognitively sharp. Okay, they're making a claim. I don't know that we can make that claim, but uh, you know how uh, medical journalism, journal, journalism is. It likes to uh, uh, make broad statements that may or may not be supported by the literature. But this new study, uh, published in Science Advances, details new discoveries in dementia research, namely a type of bacteria called Porphyromonas gingivalis, which is associated with periodontitis, meaning uh, inflammation of the gums and the tissues around the teeth, has been found in the brains of patients with Alzheimer's disease. Now, I'm very suspicious of uh, any claim that bacteria were, were found in the brains of these patients. So we're, we're going to go look at the article here in a second. I saved this for you. I just wanted to show you how uh, 
how, how we kind of work through these things when we see them in the news. Uh, periodontitis is an advanced form of gum disease or an infection of the tissues that support the teeth. And the, uh, the research was, uh, oh, conducted by, oh, a corporation, Cor- Cortexime, a privately held clinical stage pharmaceutical company, which says the discovery is a step toward a drug that can effectively block the pathogen. So first off, uh, they have a vested interest. Doesn't mean the research is bad. Okay, there's lots of industry-funded research, but what we will want to see if you if you're making an extraordinary claim, you need extraordinary evidence. And what needs to happen is uh, this uh, claim needs to be independently uh, verified, and this research, whatever it is, and we'll get to it, needs to be um, uh, reproduced. Now. For years, I remember uh, uh, there was uh, a couple of re- there were a couple of researchers that said they thought bacteria called Helicobacteria. Uh, I don't even know if it had a name then, but they thought bacteria might be associated with causing ulcers in the human stomach. And the gastroenterologists just guffawed. They thought that was hilarious that anybody could think that a bacterium could be associated with this. So. Uh, they did a couple of studies, and then they were verified that showed that the bases of ulcers in some people have this Helicobacter uh, um, pylori or pylori bacteria, and when you treat that, they get better. So now this is common uh, practice. As a matter of fact, it's standard of care if you do an endoscopy on somebody to test them for Helicobacter. So that's how much the research. Uh, uh, informs our standard of care. And what's great about medicine is when we figure out something new, we don't just stick with the same old bullshit. Uh, we'll change our ways and, uh, and um, start treating based on the new research. Another example of that is when I was in training in the 80s, uh, it was malpractice to have someone on con- who had congestive heart failure on beta blockers, which made sense. Beta blocker uh, decreases the contractility of the heart, and one of the problems with congestive heart failure is that they lack uh, contractility of the heart. So people would come into the emergency room and frank congestive heart failure, and they'd be on a beta blocker, and sometimes those doctors would get fussed at uh, for keeping them on that. Well, now it's it's malpractice not to have them on it because it turns out that outcomes are better when you have people on beta blockers. So it's counterintuitive, and a lot of medicine is, and that's why we have to do research and not just make assumptions and think things are true and then base our treatments on those things. So anyway, so this is very interesting. If this if this turns out to be true, this could be um, uh, uh, very important research. Um of course, this company has developed an investigational drug called COR388, and they've said that preclinical trials have shown that this uh, is brain protective and reduces the P. gingivalis bacteria. And what they find, what they postulate is that the P. gingivalis bacteria uh, uh, creates or helps to create or maybe co-promotes or maybe produces itself amyloid beta and inflammation in the brain, which is not good. And when you make amyloid beta proteins, uh, you get these neurofibrillary tangles, which are, uh, you know, pathologic 
um, uh, entities that you can see on a microscopic evaluation of someone with Alzheimer's uh, in their brain tissue, and they're considered, at least at the very least, a marker for Alzheimer's disease, if not the um, eventual cause. Now, this isn't the first study to make the connection between gum disease and dementia. Um, chronic inflammation from periodontal disease uh, has been thought to encourage the development of Alzheimer's dementia since uh, 2017. That was uh, from a review in Frontiers in Aging Neuroscience. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that they've got this drug that targets this process is exciting, but uh, it also points out something very simple that you can do at home. F- brush your teeth and floss. And if you've got teenagers particularly, you know, they're horrible at this. A lot of them are. you got to get, get them their gross detector turned up. You know, I, uh, I have this finely tuned gross detector. Uh, uh, meaning that if I touch something and I don't wash my hands afterward because I'm in healthcare, I've got to do it. So my brain is constantly sending this signal, your hands are dirty, your hands are dirty, until I clean them. Uh, not to the extent where I have OCD, but I am um, relatively compulsive about hand washing in the workplace, which is what you want from your healthcare provider. Um, you know, and I'll have these little old ladies say, well, oh, your hands are so cold. Well, cold hands, warm heart. Well, no, it's not that. It's the alcohol that they make us gel in and gel out. It, um, as it evaporates, it, um, you know, steals heat from your hands and makes them cold. But anyway, um, so, but you got to turn up your kid's gross detector so that they'll wash their hands before they eat and they won't stick their finger in their nose and then stick it in their mouth and that they will brush their teeth. And these little flossing sticks, if you don't like flossing, these flossing sticks are great. Um, you can buy a bag of them, of, you know, a hundred of them for five bucks at a, any pharmacy. And uh, they they look like, um, I don't know, what do they look like? Kind of like a, a, a bow, like a little tiny weirdly shaped bow like you would bow a violin with and um you know the uh, floss is between the two prongs and you can just stick that in your mouth and floss and uh make sure that you're going to the dentist every six months i know it sounds crazy a lot of you haven't been to the dentist two and three years uh you need to go and just get a regular appointment you know um dental care now as far as uh just getting teeth cleaning and uh is relatively inexpensive and you can get dental cards to go uh, and do it. And if you're not going to do it every six months, at least do it once a year. Uh, very important. And, uh, you know, look, we, we talk a lot about prevention on this show. Uh, if you don't want to have erectile dysfunction and cancer, heart disease, and stroke, don't smoke. I can't ever scare anybody into not smoking because of cancer and heart disease. But I can get men on erectile dysfunction almost every time. Uh, We've got a question later on that's going to address this uh, regarding uh, tobacco and erectile dysfunction. But, um, you know, half of adults over 30 in the United States have chronic uh, periodontitis, according to the American Dental Association. And, um, you know, it, it, it matters. This matters. Inflammation in the head matters. Uh, there are, you know, chronic infections in the head and neck sinus infections, um, herpes infections, um, uh, chronic 
infections of the gums can cause uh, infections of the veins in the brain and cause blood clots, all kinds of stuff. So cut the shit, get your teeth taken care of. Now let's look at this original study. Let me see if I can um, find the original study. This, uh, Okay, here we go. Por, uh, well, uh, Porphyromonas gingivalis in Alzheimer's disease brains. Evidence for disease causation and treatment with small molecule inhibitors. Okay. So this was written by uh, Stephen Dominey and et al. And a bunch of my uh, countrymen, it looks like. Um, I see a bunch of Czech-looking names on here. Okay, so I'm just going to read the abstract, uh, assuming that the abstract reflects what's in the article. That's not always true, but it, you know, for a radio show, we don't have time to go through the whole article. Cis porphyromonas gingivalis, the keystone pathogen in chronic periodontitis, meaning that that's the number one uh, bacteria that you find when you culture people's gums that are chronically infected, was identified in the brain of Alzheimer's disease patients. Okay, so I want to know how they did this and um, how many, you know, is it a 100% association or is it 30%? Uh, which would make a difference. You know, if you only see it in 30% of Alzheimer's disease patients, but there's still Alzheimer's disease patients, either you're missing it or it's not always there. So it could be some, uh, uh, and if it's not always there, then this drug you would assume would not help everyone. Um, toxic proteases from the bacterium, these are uh, enzymes, uh, called uh, gingipanes, ginger, well, I don't know what in the hell that is, were also identified in the brain of Alzheimer's patients, and the levels correlated with um, pathology. So uh, oral P. gingivalis infection in mice resulted in brain colonization and increased production of these beta amyloids. And further, uh, they were neurotoxic in vivo and in vitro, meaning in the in the um, uh, test tube and in the mice, exerting uh, detrimental effects. So to block this neurotoxicity, we designed and synthesized a small molecule inhibitor targeting these, uh, these proteins, and it reduced the bacterial load of uh, these brain infections. Oh, pretty interesting. Now, let, let me see here if... Um, we can figure out how they found this in people's brains. And uh, I can't quickly get to that, so that's interesting. But we're going to um, uh, look into this further, and I'll get you some information on that. You know, they do brain biopsies on dead people who had uh, a diagnosis of dementia. Uh, so the other thing you got to do, is you got to get a bunch of normal brains and test those. Is this stuff there? Is it in the same concentration? Or is there a correlation between increased load of this P. gingivalis and the severity of the Alzheimer's disease? Do the normal brains not have it at all? Or are there some people who, who uh, are normal patients who also have this? So these are all things we've got to determine before we can say, yes, this causes this. Okay. Right now, it seems to be an association, and it's very interesting, but um, uh, not we don't have a cure for Alzheimer's yet. All right. 
Um, Condom-free birth control shot for men. This has been in the news. Uh, Maybe more effective than other methods. Well, what other methods? There are no decent other methods. So that's the problem. This is from Medical Daily. It says, uh, you know, when it comes to birth control, women have more options than ever. Female contraceptives like the pill, intrauterine devices, and hormonal implants have been widely used among women to prevent pregnancy. Meanwhile, male contraceptives had had basically remained at a standstill, leaving men with two viable options, vasectomy or condoms. And uh, so uh, now this is journalism, says a recent study finds birth control shots may soon be on the horizon in preventing unintended pregnancies. Um, so, uh, what, what they found was they, and we'll go to the study in a minute because the journalism and the studies are two different things, uh, found it possible to have hormonal contraceptive for men that reduces the risk of unplanned pregnancies in the partners of men who use it. So, um, there, you know, there've been a lot of attempts at developing uh, contraceptive for men. They've tried several me- methods, including the male, uh, oral contraceptive, uh, and uh, what these do is they'll block the effects of testosterone so the testicles stop producing health, healthy sperm cells. But it's been a difficult feat since you constantly produce sperm. You're pumping out 1,500 sperm a second. 1,500 a second. Think about that. That's a lot of dang sperm. And uh, you have to do 1,500 a second because every time you splooge, it's uh, millions of sperm are released. Um, uh, Let's see if Alexa knows the answer to that. Alexa, how many sperm in the average ejaculation? Sorry, I don't know that. Okay, of course. We'll find it. Um, So, in this study, they tested the safety and effectiveness of injectable contraceptives in 320 uh, uh, healthy men. And uh, first, they tested them to make sure they had a healthy sperm count at the beginning, which makes sense. You don't want people who are shooting blanks in your dumb study because it will skew the results. Then they gave them uh, uh, norith... Let me see. Norithsterone and anthate. Norethisterone, norethisterone anantheate, and uh, a long-acting androgen called testosterone undecanoate. Now, that's just a long-acting testosterone. Now, when you testosterone supplement someone, it's going to stop their testicles from producing uh, sperm. It just shuts them down. And they gave these shots every eight weeks, and they provided semen samples ever after eight and 12 weeks in the suppression phase, and then every two weeks until they met criteria for the next phase. Now, uh, then uh, they were asked to solely rely on injections for birth control once the men's sperm count was lowered to less than 1 million per ml. So your average splooge is, what, 2.5 ml, so, you know, half a teaspoon. So these people still had 2.5 million sperm going around at maximum of that. Some of them probably had much less, but that was maximum of that. And uh, they continued to receive injections every eight weeks for 56 weeks. And the finding revealed that the hormones were effective in reducing the sperm count to 1 million per ml. So that's like 1 200th of normal, but still, you only need one. Uh, uh, And the method was effective in 96% of continuing users. Only four pregnancies occurred among the men's partners during the efficacy phase of the study. 
Well, I'm sure for those four, they were still pretty pissed if they joined the study to not get pregnant. Um, The rate of adverse effects, specifically depression and mood disorders, they stopped enrolling new participants because of this. And of the 1,491 reported adverse events in what, how many did we have in this 300 people, 350 people? And they had 1,400 adverse events. 40% were found to be unrelated oh, to the contraceptive injection. So that means that 60% were. So what's 60% of 1,491? Alexa, what's 60% of 1,491? 60% of 1,491 is 894.6. Okay, so 895 adverse events in 350 people. That's about three, you know, two to three uh, adverse events per person were related to it. So, um, oh, and then these included one death by suicide, which was assessed not to be related to the use of the drug. Okay, uh, drug-related side effects included injection site pain, muscle pain, increased libido, and acne. Of course, the acne from the testosterone. 20 men dropped out of the study due to side effects. They weren't really side effects. They're adverse effects. And despite the adverse effects, more than 75% of participants reported being willing to use this method of contraception at the end of the trial. Um, so yeah, they're saying, so that could this be better than the male pill? Probably, but that's not on the market. That's really not your question. Is this, uh, uh, safe and effective for use in men so that women could come off their birth control? Because it is really, there is this disparity. Um, uh, women do seem to carry the burden of birth control. And plus, you know, if you're out there in the single scene, you're relying on other people. If you're a dude saying that they're on birth control, most of the time they're they're truthful. But, you know, uh, you don't have any control over that. So, um, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have some control and to participate in birth control out there in the scene. Now, this does nothing to prevent um, to prevent uh, disease. So if you're single and you don't know your partners, you still got to use condoms. So uh, this is really uh, for people in monogamous relationships where they know their partner. They're not worried about disease. They want to ride bareback, but the dude wants to contribute to the birth control, not leave it all on the woman. Um, Now, there's a new drug on the horizon. Uh, uh, Researchers at Wolverhampton University have found a new compound that is able to deactivate the protein enabling sperm to swim. This is interesting. If they can't swim, the egg can't be fertilized and it only lasts a few days. So that makes the men temporarily infertile. So if you're going, you know, on a singles cruise, you can, uh, you know, take this medication and not worry about getting a call nine months later from three or four people. Um, and, uh, and unlike the female pill, which takes a week to take effect, it may uh, only take hours or minutes to activate. They're going to be doing uh, live animal tests within the next two to three years. If it proves to be successful, it'll be on the market as a pill or even a nasal spray by 2021. So that'll be just in time for my kids to... Uh, Uh, have this because uh, they better not be having intercourse before 2021. Anyway, um, 
All right. Very good. Well, let's take some questions. Uh-oh. Don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Wait, what? 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 Number one thing. Oh, the number one don't thing. take advice from some asshole on the radio. No wiser words have ever been said. Thank you, Ronnie B. Well, okay. Helps if you... And I haven't really gotten good advice from my doctor. Uh, I am on Adderall, and it... Can... I might want to need to start this one over. I'm sorry. Let's, um... Um, and it's... Hey, hey, um, I know that you just got off the air, and I haven't really gotten good advice from my doctor. Uh, I am on Adderall, and it tends to make me want to drink more alcohol to help me go to bed. Um, and it's screwing my body up. I'm in my early 20s, and I know it's not a good way to do it. The only other option that I've seen is using, uh, you know, smoking marijuana, um, you know, to help kind of like soothe me down or whatever. Um, I was just wondering if uh, there's anything that you would recommend other than like melatonin because that hasn't been that useful for me. Um, and every other ADHD medication I've used hasn't really helped me focus. Um, I've just been drowsy throughout the day, even with coffee and things like that. I just don't feel alert. Um, but, yeah, I mean, smoking marijuana isn't going to help me if, you know, if there's a drug test or something like that at work. Uh, alcohol, you know, is not good in general. Um, but if there's anything you would recommend, just please let me know. Uh, my email is 281. Oh, uh, 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 okay. Hey, um, <clears throat> all right, so he has adult ADD, and uh, the medication he's taking is Adderall. And the thing about Adderall is that it is a stimulant. You know, it's a psychomimetic amine, and um, it, he, so he's having trouble sleeping at night because he's on speed, basically. <clears throat> so a couple of things. One is... You could talk to the provider. Make sure that they're aware of this, that you can't sleep on this medication. You could take it earlier in the day. You know, if you're getting up and getting taking your shower and doing, you know, all your ablutions, um, to use a word my grandmother would have used, um, you uh, may be able to take it right when you wake up. And or you could even wake up and take it and if you can go back to sleep and then so that it's wearing out quicker. There are other versions of Adderall. There's one called Vivance that is um, cleaved differently in uh, in the uh, body as it's metabolized. And that may uh, wear out a little bit quicker or or earlier for you. You don't want it to wear out quickly because then you crash. But talk to them about it. There are other uh, stimulant. ADD medications that might work better for you. <clears throat> it may be that you're a slow metabolizer of that stuff, and so you're just still speeding along. Yes, I would not add an illicit substance because your Adderall provider may drug test you at some point. A lot of them are doing this now because Adderall is a Schedule II drug, and if they find THC in your system, they may just stop writing the Adderall altogether. Now, there are other medications for adult Uh, attention deficit disorder, Uh, and not all of them are stimulants. I think probably the ones that you had that made you sleepy were the antidepressants. Um, There are um, uh, lots of different antidepressants that can be used for this, and the um, 
But there's but there are other things. There's cognition enhancing medications like Stratera or Atomoxetine. There's one called Guanfacine, which we used to use as a um, um, uh, as a uh, uh, blood pressure medication. And these things can help as well. So these are things that just talk to your provider. There are a lot more options. Rather than taking a medication, having to take something else to counteract it, you may consider trying something else and um, uh, seeing if uh, it will work as monotherapy. In other words, just one drug. The issue, of course, is you'll have to come off the stimulant and then get on this thing. So it'll be a several-week trial, but it may be worth it because you really need to be able to sleep. The other thing is if you haven't tried the melatonin gummies, which we've talked about, you know, people who listen to this show know I hate marketing. The way that they market gummies to adults just makes me physically ill. But gummies have an advantage in that they completely dissolve. So if you have a drug that may be bound to the binder in a pill, and isn't released, and so it's not what we call bioavailable, then uh, taking it in a gummy form may help because there's, you know, that's, the gummy is just, you know, what, <clears throat> starch and, um, and glucose. I don't even know what they, how, what they make gummies out of. Let me see. How, uh, let me see, gummy bear recipe. Gummy bear recipe. Because I, I think it's, um, it's, Cornstarch and um, glucose. Oh, no. Well, I'm an idiot. Okay, it's gelatin. Of course it is. I'm a fool. Um, it's gelatin. What am I thinking of? Cornstarch. There's something that you make with cornstarch and gelatin. And I don't remember what it is. Maybe it's marshmallows. I don't know. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, it's gelatin and uh, a little bit of sugar. So, uh uh, there's no, nothing there to not for the drug to bind to irreversibly. So when the gummy bear um, um, uh, dissolves, it'll completely dissolve, and then the drug is just left behind to be absorbed. So you could try that, but just talk to your provider. And uh, there are lots of other options out there other than just the antidepressants, which probably were the things that made you sleepy, and the Adderall, which just jazzes you up. And uh, uh, hopefully you can uh, get on that and not take and please don't if marijuana is illegal in your state uh, or if your company has a policy against it and you're at risk for being drug tested or if the doctor is drug testing don't use that to sleep that's not going to help it's just going to either get you fired from their practice or fired from your job okay so i'm a 50 year old male okay I've had, for the last few years, a bunch of years ago, I had gastric bypass. I lost 214 pounds. Excellent. But in the last two years, every night is full erections that don't go away until I get up and walk around. It's not really sexual. It's just, I don't know if it's the way I'm sleeping or what, but I have no other issues. I managed to keep 200 pounds off of that weight, so I'm right at 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and... uh 175, 180 pounds, and I just have these, and they're all night long erections. Like, Yeah, they're not. <clears throat> That's the thing. They're when you're aware of them. So nocturnal penile tumescence is what he's talking about. I love that word, tumescence. So does uh, little Jimmy Norton. It was one of the uh, favorite words I taught to him during an appearance on ONA once. 
these are spontaneous erections, and uh, they occur during sleep, and you can measure them. We actually have a nocturnal penile tumescence monitor. Uh, it's a little um, <clears throat> uh, a little uh, Velcro strap that you wrap around your penis, and uh, it has stretch receptors in it, and you can uh, determine, we'll do this for people who have erectile dysfunction. And if they are having nocturnal penile tumescence, but they're having erectile dysfunction when they're having sex with their spouse, then we know that it's psychological and not physiological uh, or not physiologic. So uh, we generally determine that penile tumescence is um, a sign of a healthy penis. So uh, he's actually uh, uh, doing very well in this regard. And uh, they most often occur, I believe, during REM, REM sleep. And during REM sleep, uh, the, what comes after that is light sleep. And he's waking up right after his REM sleep with this raging heart on. And it, he feels like it's happening all night long. If it were happening all night long, he would have horrendous penile pain in the morning because of an, an erection that lasts more than four hours is called priapism. And those are those those erections are extremely painful. So if he's sleeping six to eight hours, uh, it's really not possible that it could be happening all night long. Now, but he could find out by getting a nocturnal penile tumescence monitor from a urologist and just see if it goes up and down through the night. <clears throat> I'm not aware that you can buy one of those online, but you could look and see. And uh, there may be one that you know you can uh, connect to your smartphone through an app of some sort. Um, let me see. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, they they don't know what the cause of this is. Uh, there was a hypothesis that um, there are these neurons from this one part of the brain called the locus ceruleus, and that those actually inhibit penile. Erection and then during REM sleep, those uh, those nerve fibers are turned off so that there's no inhibition of penile erection, which tells me that without that part of the brain, our normal uh, our normal state would be to just have a raging erection all the time, which makes sense because we're dudes. Anyway, all right, so that that's that's that uh, sign of a healthy penis, my brother. Uh, if you actually get one that won't go down, you need to go to the emergency room and get it checked. Hey, Dr. Steve. 64-year-old retired truck driver. Um, in uh, problems where you're, you've got, like, stuff breaking out occasionally, like uh, one on the stomach, someone said, hey, that might be a, a deer tick. Better go get it checked out. So you check into a urgent care, and then you get a... They don't find anything. It's just a cyst. We'll give you a battery of uh, antibiotics and give you some penicillin uh, prescription and then send you a bill for $4,000. $4,000 from an urgent care? Come on. Um, so now whenever there's some kind of skin eruption, whether it be on your butt or tummy or behind your knee, on your arm, I, I get these all over, especially in the buttocks, which is – too embarrassing to want to go to your doctor. I haven't got a new primary care physician where I've moved here when I retired in Florida, but I should. Other than um, 
getting more sun. There's some vitamins you get from the sun. You can't really sun your butt in your backyard unless you got privacy, but I wanted to get your take on this. And yeah, if you have recurrent skin lesions, if you don't want to show your butt to your primary care, I get that. I mean, eventually they're going to have to do a prostate exam on you. So you'll be showing them more than that, and they'll be feeling more than that. But um, if, if, if you're uncomfortable doing that, go to a dermatologist. Let them see this. This could be a lot of different things, um, if, and you didn't describe the lesions. So, you know, if they're flat and reddish and scaly uh, or discolored, it could be uh, a uh, fungal infection, including tinea versicolor, which causes kind of a patchy, discolored um, um, uh, uh, rash on the skin. Um, you know, if it's blisters and it's recurrent in the same place every time, which is really not what he said. It sounded like it was showing up on different places. But uh, blisters that show up the same place every time that are painful or itchy can be a sign of herpes. Uh, but you really need to see someone, and they need to put eyeballs on them. I've found that diagnosing rashes by cell phone pictures is almost impossible, uh, for me anyway, and um, certainly from someone's description, unless it's a classic description, it's uh, nearly impossible. So, all right. See a dermatologist. That's a Johnny Fairplay said, hey, your whole show is somebody tells you something, you tell them to go see their doctor. <laughs> I guess that's true. I try to give a little bit of information in the meantime. All right. <laughs> Uh, I am a 45-year-old healthy adult male, uh, fairly fit, very active, and uh, I've got a question about what? sexual health. Uh, sorry, I think I cut out there. Anyways, uh, just skip to the question. My question Thank is, you. is it possible for a male in his mid-40s to increase the amount of volume in his ejaculation. In other words, I've noticed that it feels way better when there's more volume. And yes, it absolutely does feel better. It's interesting. And uh, I've had people who have retrograde ejaculation, which is um, <clears throat> seen in certain medications and uh, people with advanced diabetes where they actually ejaculate into their bladder because fluid will follow the path of least resistance and uh, they lose the tone in the valve coming out uh, from the bladder that's supposed to keep urine in and semen going out. And uh, so they end up ejaculating backwards. And uh, they still get the feeling of a, a uh, an orgasm and ejaculation, but, there's, but the feeling of that vast emptying that you kind of get... Um, Women, it's very difficult for us to explain this, but uh, they don't get that, so there's something missing. Um, so, yes, the increased amount of ropes uh, or the volume of ejaculate um, does seem to increase pleasure slightly. So we've done a lot of research on that in this show. The only thing I found in the medical literature was people who took sildenafil, which is the active ingredient in Viagra, on a chronic basis had a 25% increase in um, volume of ejaculate. Having said that, 
you know, sildenafil is a powerful medication. We'll use it every day, three times a day, in people that have pulmonary hypertension because it's a great drug for decreasing the blood pressure from the heart going into the lungs in people that have this pulmonary hypertension. But there are adverse effects from taking that much of it and uh, significant adverse effects. So, um, uh, and the, most of them potential, uh, including changes in vision and, um, you know, low blood pressure and stuff like that. So I don't recommend that method for increasing your ropes. I've talked to some adult film, male adult film stars, and they uh, recommend things like arginine as a uh, uh, supplement. Haven't seen any data on that. Uh, arginine is a precursor of uh, nitric oxide, and uh, it's a substrate for some of the um, um, uh, some of the um, enzymes that make nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is the what sildenafil targets as well to increase those levels, increases blood flow to the penis, decreases venous outflow from the penis. And when you get a bigger meteor erection, that seems to to enhance that uh, whole process as well. I'm not 100% sure why. Uh, abstinence, so not beating off as often. And uh, if you really want to have that feeling of the great emptying with your partner, uh, don't masturbate within a few days of having uh, intercourse with them. Uh, Also, uh, staying well hydrated makes a big difference. Drinking lots of fluid will make um, uh, uh, more fluid available to the uh, tissues that are generating semen, which are the the prostate and the um, seminal vesicles. The testicles themselves only contribute about 2% to fluid, so that's really not going to make any difference. Okay? So try those things. And remember, a lot of the stuff that you see in adult films are special effects, and that's confirmed by several adult film stars who have been on this show. Uh, So if you see these people ejaculating gallons of semen, don't think you're somehow deficient because you just don't have the, uh, uh, the pump and the tubing and the Cetaphil to uh, simulate a giant um, uh, ejaculatory volume. Okay. All right. Hey there, Dr. Steve. You had a caller call in. He was talking about uh, he was a fat fuck. He had uh, <laughs> something wrong with his feet. Socks taking him off. And um, Anyways, you're talking about how uh, he had... Um, uh, erectile dysfunction, and you said that the number one cause for reversible erectile dysfunction is tobacco. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, what's causing ED is uh, vasoconstriction. And, Give yourself uh, a bill! What causes the vasoconstriction is technically the nicotine in the tobacco. Give so yourself a bill! Would it technically be the, the nicotine that is causing the ED? So while I Give yourself have my a bill. big, very, uh, very big vape, um, is with the nicotine in that, that that's just as likely to be giving me ED as um, any other feller. Give yourself a bill. Analog- yes, okay, okay. So he got four give yourself a bells on that. Everything he said was correct. So I've always, uh, look, where I got, like, I'm old, okay? And old habits die hard. So 
um, when I talk about erectile dysfunction, the tobacco abuse, of course, there's no real tobacco use, is there? It's all abuse, but a taco, a taco, tobacco abuse is the number one cause of reversible erectile dysfunction. Well, this is 2019, and a lot of people have their vape pens that they're tooting off of, these big giant tanks and these giant clouds of God knows what. Um, and But with many of them having nicotine in them, yes. So it is the abuse. I need to change my verbiage. The abuse of nicotine uh, is the number one cause of erectile dysfunction, reversible erectile dysfunction in men over 40. So I could never uh, – I I have dissected cadavers that had um, so much atherosclerotic plaque in them, so much calcium in the – aorta that it was crunchy you could dissect it you could feel the scalpel crunching as it cuts through the uh, the uh, tissue of the aorta and you open it up and it's white in there and it's white and crunchy and i've seen that caused by smoking and genetics of course and high cholesterol i have seen dissected lungs of smokers where, you know, a normal dissected lung has kind of got bluish areas and pink, and it's nice and pink on the inside. When you op- when you cut open, it looks like a beautiful sort of spongy thing. And I've seen t- tobacco smokers' lungs, and they're black. They're, they are, it looks like you've squirted a squid ink into these lungs or dyed, the, thrown them in a... Uh, a washing machine with black dye. It's unbelievable how disgusting and how are they not diseased? You you look at that and you understand why. Google that. Google um, smokers. Let me try it. Let me smokers long. Do a goomer, goomer, Google image. Yes. Oh, there's some good ones. Okay. Just smokers lungs and Google image that you can see a, a smokers lung next to a normal lung. And uh, it's quite impressive. I would wonder, I've been off tobacco for 20 years now. And I wonder if my lungs still are stained from the tobacco or if they've come back uh, and looking reasonably healthy. That would be interesting. You know, I'm going to have Tissue Bank James, when I die, just to make him uncomfortable, I'm going to donate my uh, body to his, um, uh, his service. And just to make him uncomfortable, so he'll have to see my flaccid dead penis and uh, and uh, and those kinds of things, where I'm just laid out on his on his um, on the beer b i e r. Why he's probably drinking beer at the same time while he's cutting cutting me open and taking my parts out. But um, I I want him to look in there and then maybe report back to the uh, weird medicine public. Yes, his lungs. We're back to normal, or no, they were still looked horrendous. Anyway, goodness gracious. Oh, this is just horrible. I cannot believe that I ever did this. What a fool. And I was a doctor and smoking, and I, I knew better. But it's a hell of an addiction. Nicotine, a hell of a drug, uh, because it's so available. You can just go anywhere and buy it. it used to, uh, at least uh, the pharmacies, although they still 
sell homeopathic malarkey. They at least don't sell things that are actively trying to kill you, a.k.a. tobacco. Anyway, so I'm going to see inside some vapor's lungs after somebody's been vaping for long enough. We need, you know, in about 10 years, we'll have enough people who are vaping die that we can uh, get some uh, information on what the their, that stuff's doing to their lungs. All right. Um, we have some uh, good questions for the sommelier for next time. I want you all to call in 347-766-4323 and do, uh, give us some wine questions. If you want to throw a Ramon question in there as well, I'm totally fine with that. We don't hear enough of Ramon on this channel anymore. and uh, But uh, I would like some serious questions and not in the vein of serious questions only, although those are fine too. Uh, uh, I'll pick and choose and cherry pick the ones that I want to use, but I do, uh, 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 I think it'll be a great show. Don't forget to uh, go to the Brandon Strong campaign for bone marrow donation. Join.bethematch.org slash Brandon Strong. If you're 18 to 44 years of age, you can uh, uh, donate a saliva sample. And if you're a match for someone, you can save someone's life down the road through bone marrow transplantation. If you're older than 44, you can pay 100 bucks and still do it. So... Um, <clears throat> Uh, that is an awesome, awesome thing that you can do if you just want to do feel good about yourself today. Uh, we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, um, Willie uh, Fistigash, Travis Teft, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Eric Nagel, uh, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, uh, and Ron Bennington and Fen, Fen, Fez Watley, whose early support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103s, uh, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemails and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine.